I've had clients who, you know, have a job and we have sessions and then they get laid off and some of them, you know, they'll get, a, they got the notice that their coverage was going to end in 10 days. I mean, mm. they didn't even give them a month. <laughs> like, and so, you know, their mental health needs are tied to their, their medical insurance. Which is tied to their employment. Which is tied to their employment. In an ideal world, I love to be able to have some sort of funding so we can provide mental health treatment for everybody that's, you know, equal and across the board. But it, you know, it's so lacking in so many different areas. Okay, welcome to Brian Talks to Humans, a people's podcast about everyday people. I got another Corona cast for you today. And it's another blast from my past. It's my friend Lauren. We hadn't talked in over 15 years. She's a mom of two kids, and I wanted to get that perspective. And I also wanted to get her perspective as a mental health worker. We discuss her work and some policy implications of some of the frustrations that go along with that work. Okay, here's my conversation with Lauren. I hope you enjoy. So in general, Considering the crisis, the pandemic, how are you holding up? I'm okay. <laughs> I mean, in general, I'm all right. Uh, you know, I, I worry. I, I worry about you know pretty much the same thing that we all worried about: our health. The you know, keeping the kids sane. I, I am finding like a little bit more like feeling a little bit burned out. You know, mm. I was supposed to be on vacation this week, and that's not happening. So, and mm. I was looking forward to that vacation, which was a long. It was a long time coming, but in right now, it's probably I'm putting more work into work. So that that's a lot. That's exhausting to me. It feels a lot. There's a lot of fatigue right now for me. Mm. Uh, how would you describe in general, like your job, your your typical typical day at work? To right now or before, I'm sorry before before, yeah, okay. before yeah, yeah yeah so I'm a single parent I've been I've been divorced since my kids were like babies so I've always been and they live primarily with me so everything that I've done professionally has to be worked around their school schedule um, so I've been very blessed I've been very very lucky to be able to do that mm -hmm. um, so I get them to school every morning so I've, I've always kind of had a abbreviated like a counseling practice just to be able to accommodate them. When I started my practice, but then also my program within my practice, it's always been kind of working around their sports and their school. So typically I, I only averaged about seeing between like 12 and 14 clients for individual counseling a week. But my group practice with like the group therapy, I have up to like about 50 guys that come through my office a week. Mm -hmm. Um, so I run, I run four groups. I have an intern from Penn, UPenn, and I run a program for developmentally disabled guys on probation and then like three general processing groups. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then every other weekend I usually do practice, I do sessions on the weekends when I don't have my kids. Mm -hmm. And all the, all the group stuff is, uh, 
people who have been related to the quote unquote justice system in some way? Or? Yes. I've had, I've, I've, I've all, I think, yeah. So since I started, when I was in college, I've always worked in some aspect of working in like the justice system and I really like it. I worked in the prisons in Delaware for a while. I did, I do assessments and I've worked with a lot of forensic, you know, kind of folk, however they all come into the system. So that's, that's kind of been my main focus for, you know, and then kind of collaterally, I started working with victims and then it kind of just sprung out from there. Um, I do a lot of work with like adolescent sexual behavior, teaching consent, things like that. So kind of a running grant gamut of everything, but for the most part, it's all been contained with when around making sure that I'm balancing it with my kids. Right. So I, I read somewhere, I forget the percentage, but there's like a real disproportionate representation of people with mental health issues in, in some form of uh, uh, contact with the justice system, whether it's probation, prison, you know, that sort of Absolutely. stuff. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially people with autism who don't necessarily have, you know, kind of more outside presentations where people kind of wouldn't notice their mental health issues. I see a lot of people like that who either missed the mark and had, didn't have necessarily a healthy diagnosis, like, or should have been diagnosed, but definitely present that way. Is it common to see people who have been in foster care in your practice? Cause I read somewhere that, Oh no, I was at a conference and uh, someone said that 75% of California inmates at one point were in foster care. I wouldn't, I, I would see that's probably makes sense. Yeah, I mean, our, our foster care system pretty much boots them out at 18. And, you know, even with a little bit of couple out, a couple years past maybe helping out, they're, you know, 18 year olds aren't adults, mm. <laughs> you know? Um, so one of the things that I've kind of been successful because I've worked a lot in family courts for years is, I get a lot of like the youth, I would say, call them youthful offenders. It makes you feel so old once you like start seeing them as like kids, you know, mm. like the kids, the kids, the guys that, you know, maybe were in the juvenile justice system and then they get caught up again in the adult at a really, at that like 18, 19 year age, who just don't have the skills to be able to handle what adult probation requires of them. There's a lot more handholding in juvenile probation so a lot of them end up messing up and getting violated. And so I do, a, I, I've been pretty successful at kind of like helping them segue into having to mature or having to like listen a lot quicker than, you know, mm. maybe some of the older guys do. So before we talk a little bit about how that's changed uh, or your practice has changed after the, the, the virus, what's it like for, for you and your mental health? to be processing all this stuff that people are, are, are dealing with. You know, I always say like, I, I hope my therapist has a therapist. <laughs> like, uh, what, what's that like for you? In general, you mean, or right now? In general, in general. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right now, it's different. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so I started working, I don't know how much of a history you want, but I started working in this field. Like, I know I have a bachelor's in psychology, which does not, prepare you whatsoever for what you're going to see or how you're going to handle it. Um, even my master's didn't help me with that. I think, I, I mean, I can honestly say throughout my years, it's been, it's been a lot. I think 
definitely therapy helps. Supervision or, you know, peer supervision with other therapists definitely helps. I've definitely tried to network more with just therapists who kind of get it, you know, but it, it definitely can take a toll. You know, I, I, what, that's when I recognize that I get, I feel burned out is when I start having like that kind of secondary trauma responses. I'm not sleeping well, or there's, you know, things are just, I'm, I'm losing, I'm like missing pieces of people. I've learned and it, you know, probably a lot slower than other people, but I've learned definitely to have to keep better boundaries and, you know, kind of figure out ways to restore and just rejuvenate with, you know, other ways, not necessarily like socially, it's not like going out with friends, but spending like a weekend by myself, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, you know, I definitely working with um, people in the system and definitely working with people that have done terrible things, you know, takes a toll. I also do have a contract with uh, archdiocese and I work with uh, victims of priest abuse and they're actually one of my hardest um, that I find challenging mm. to process. Yeah. I would imagine. I mean, I can only imagine not, you know, that's, that's what I yeah. mean. So how has work changed now that things are shut down and you're, you're homebound? So uh, one of the things that I've always done was leave my work in my office. I've made, I had this own kind of my own little like personal cleansing every day that I left. I I made it like a little ritual. um, And I I really miss my office. I I was just thinking about that the other day. Like I I created a state, like a space for myself and for my clients, but honestly for me to just kind of leave therapy there at the therapy office. And that has been a really big Thing that I don't think I realized up until maybe now week four that I was I was losing you know because my kids are downstairs so you know between sessions I'm running down to take care of them and I'm not cleansing so my my next kind of goal this week is to try to figure out how to you know translate that ritual into here because we're going to be here for a while mm, that's what it seems like and so you're and so you're seeing clients on on video chat I am. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm seeing clients on on like a teletherapy platform, which has good days and bad days. Sometimes we end up like FaceTiming, which has been not as ideal, but permitted, you know, at this point by most health insurances. I am also still pro bono seeing my group clients. We're doing a Google meet, um, like a half hour Google meet meet once a week, just to check in with everybody, make sure everybody's okay. That has been really helpful for them. Very exhausting for me, but I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep them all connected, and I, you know, they, they seem to be very grateful for that. So that that also takes up a lot of my time. So what are you noted like uh, whatever you're comfortable talking about? What are you noticing in people with this shift to the like isolation and distancing and that sort of thing? It, it kind of presents differently for a lot of people, you know, in working with people, well, a couple things, it's been interesting. I've had a, a lot of clients that have had really long histories of complex, complex PTSD. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they've, they've said, and I, it took me a while to kind of figure out what they were like, why, but they were like, I've been living like this for a long time. This isn't new to me. I know what it feels like to feel this scared and, you know, and, and, and vulnerable. And I've been doing it for a long time. And a lot of them actually are faring much better than some of the other clients that I've had. Um, Not to say that that's a good thing because obviously their complex PTSD is, you know, 
kept him in the state for a long time, which now recognizing what that feels like is is not good. But they they seem to have a much evener keeled ability to handle the stress. Mm. Interesting. Very interesting. Yes. So yeah. I'm working a lot for them with just stabilization. Um, I started doing EMDR online, which has been really interesting and, and, and helpful. So I started doing that with clients this week. I wanted to get more comfortable with it. You know, usually we're face to face, we're close to each other. And so this is a, this is kind of all new territory for me. Mm. So you're a mom. I am. Two kids, right? Yep. 10 and eight. 10 and 8. Yeah. Right. How do you talk to them about what's going on? It's been, I think, developmentally hard for them because it's invisible. Mm-hmm. And so it's not something that we can like say like, hey, look, you know, they're seeing people with masks, I'm keeping them inside. They, you know, they can't see their friends. So I've been kind of posing it. And I know as time's going on, we're recognizing that, you know, the rate of exposure to even young people getting sick is different but i've been kind of helping them say like we're trying to keep grandma mimi and pa we're trying to keep them healthy and so if we all stay inside then mimi and pa will get help will stay healthy and i think that that to them feels at least like they're doing something you know but it's been hard you know both my kids are sports players that baseball was canceled um, soccer was canceled. So those kind of things are hard to kind of explain why they can't play soccer. That, you know, that's been a big loss, especially for my younger son. Mm. Yeah. So how, how about the, how about facilitating the distance learning that the schools are doing? What's that like for you? That It's also hard. You know, they've been great. I can't, I, I don't, can't imagine how difficult and how fast and how supportive all the teachers have been, you know, and I think they recognize how difficult this is for parents, but it's definitely been, it's been a challenge for both of my kids. Um, My older son is a, he's a good student and he, he really tries to do well. He has ADHD, which has not been a big issue in school at all, which I've been appreciative of, but his, you know, the other behaviors come out when he's not in school. So I'm really pushing him to stay as focused in his academics and he's responded to that well. So he still does his reading. He still does all the things that his teacher does. Mm-hmm. He gets, he, he's very motivated by like intern, you know, praise from, from schooling, which has been probably a lifesaver. Um, they've done a great job with him for that. He's not going to be in, elementary school anymore so to me that's really sad because that's the you know this is the end of his elementary school years and he'll never be back in that class you Mm -hmm. know at the school again and I think I'm mourning that a lot more than he is I don't think that's really been I don't think he really notices it but yeah I worry about that like he's going to be in middle school and we'll you know all of that kind of like ending of you know elementary school's over for him yeah people have uh around my work have been uh lamenting things for the for the 12th graders oh yes missing prom and graduation and that sort of thing yeah yeah it's a milestone and it's not something you can kind of recreate and that kind of feels that's that feels sad yeah i do have a lot of clients that are you know i have some college kids that are about to graduate they're handling it a little bit better i have a couple seniors in high school and you know i think for them it feels very surreal and I think their anxiety about what they were going to do in the future was already mounting. And so this, you know, I think this is like a weird 
they're in a weird limbo, you know, of not even knowing what they're going to do next year now, or not sure, you know, not really having that kind of closure too. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have been trying to tell them like, listen, in 20 years, it's going to be a lot more interesting to tell people you were the COVID class of That's true. 2020 than whatever you did at your prom. Right. Right. That <laughs> is true. Maybe they'll do prom on Minecraft. So you're involved in care work. Yes. Your 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 work home boundary is blurring. You right. know, you're you're having to facilitate math lessons for ten and eight year olds and that sort of thing, right? Yep. So what are you doing for you when it comes to you know mental health and self care? Well, working on that, Brian. No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the first few weeks was literally, I, I, I'm, I'm still kind of processing that because it, it was this just crashing fear that like my whole business was going to go under. Um, and so I feel like I'm kind of slowly coming out of that with more clients and just getting technology set up and tracking people down and doing case management for a lot of them, you know, and so I think right now, if I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm really kind of triaging everybody. Mm. I feels like it's kind of calming down, you know, um, and that I, I will have to, I will have to be able to putting that in practice to be able to continue this because I'm not going anywhere. Even if, even if things open up, you know, my kids aren't going to be in school until next September. So I would even say the large percentage of my, you know, even if I could see somebody once face to face, eventually I, I'm going to end up doing teletherapy for a lot longer just because mm. of my situation. Yeah. Um, I, I've had trouble adjusting to what I, what I finally decided was like, I was kind of inspired. I never get really inspired by, you know, quotes on the Instagrams and stuff, mm -hmm. but, but something like saying like, uh, you're not working from home. You're home during a crisis trying to work. Trying to work. Yeah. And I said to myself, that's, that aptly describes what's going on. And so I felt like invaded, like the work was invading my home space. Cause over the last few years of teaching, I've, I've gotten better at, at setting those boundaries and leaving work at work and not doing too much at home, especially during the week. And I felt like everything was bleeding into another. And I decided that I'm not doing work after like four o'clock and I'm not doing anything for teaching on the weekends, like unless it's some kind of like emergency. And so like for the last like 10 days or so, I've been doing that and it's improved. It's improved. But what I'm finding is, since I'm so used to being on adrenaline with work and then crashing, like two, two things, one positive, one negative. Sorry, I'm going to be a little verbose here. But on the one hand, my energy is a little more even. It's not like adrenaline and then crash. Right. So I do, I am able to get involved in a couple more things, doing a little bit more political stuff and, and that sort of thing. But at the same time, with with the more stillness and the more open time that I get sometimes, I'm having a lot of trouble concentrating. Like I can't read any of my half-read books. I can't even binge shows. It's almost like I know that I have forever and so I don't get it done. Right, right. Because we thrive on structure and we've created structure in our life to however it suits us. So when we feel like we could binge something, we've given ourselves time to do that. And now it just feels like a black hole of time. I, we talk about that. I talk about that with my clients constantly, you know, creating your own new structure. 
whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, you can and then give yourself time to like relax and to watch or read something. So, and you're doing it with purpose and, you know, it, it's not easy. Mm. Yeah. I mean, this is all uncharted territory. So I was telling the other, describing it the other night to somebody as a grand social experiment. And what happens if we, if we isolate from each other for months, you know, nobody knows. Yeah. Who knows? I know. And I think a lot of good will come out of it. You know, I keep kind of going back to like my groups and these guys are, are pretty, they, they all struggle in their own right with socialization. You know, they all struggle with, you know, healthy communication and healthy relationships. But I've, you know, they've, they've kind of really banded together to try to help each other. I get texts and emails from clients like, can you pass this along to somebody else? Because I know he was saying he needs it. And, and in the midst of all of this, people are going through grief and loss. You know, you know I've, I've had clients who have, you know, lost loved ones um when you know somebody you know they they lost a baby um you know and 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 how do you how do you feel how do you deal with that when we can't give each other the same kind of you know empathy and compassion that we would normally it's tough mm-hmm. for some of the some of the you know especially the clients that that you know struggle in general like just even them giving a little bit of compassion or you know we 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 We've, we've pooled money in one group to get, to send somebody flowers, you know, that, that goes a long way to me, you know, and, and how I see, you know, that at least emotional connection growing. It's tough though. So that's one thing I did want to ask you about, aside from that, your slice of the story here with, with your clients and stuff, are you seeing more broadly in society or whatever, silver linings, you know, things that maybe we can keep after the crisis is over that, you know, so that we don't go back to normal. Uh, yeah, I hope. So I, I, I signed up because I don't have anything, I don't, I have more to do, but I signed up for the Citizens Corps. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I don't know if you guys have it in no. New Jersey. So it's volunteers. Um, and I think in Delaware County, there were only 500 volunteers that did all of the triaging for this. Um, and it's a volunteer corporation that helps with disasters, with food relief. And since that, since this happened, we've grown to, I believe like 1700 people. Mm. So I signed up to do, you know, kind of behavioral health crisis intervention. They've opened up like a first responders refuge. And so they were asking for people to help with, you know, non, non doesn't have, you don't have to have, you know, a mental health or a medical background, but they've, they've asked for that. And around here, you know, we've delivered, or at least we've stepped up to deliver. And that feels good. Um, I think, I think one of the things we're recognizing is that like mental health, health in general is so important and the resources are just so limited. So I'm hoping that that'll be something that'll be on now the forefront of most systems, the educational system, the criminal justice system, the, you know, medical professionals, first responder system, Mm. (laughs) you know, um, these police officers and firefighters, like they're all, you know, they're, they're all, they're all a response to some level of mental health, taking a toll on their mental health. Mm. So what kind of policy changes would you like to see from your corner of the world? Like as a, as a care worker and as somebody who's, who's sort of looking at the landscape where, you know, we are interconnected and health uh, in all aspects, 
you know, should have more of a emphasis in our society before like say profit, you know, is there anything that you're, that you're hoping politically comes out of all this? Ideally or, or, or do I think it's going to? Well, you know, <laughs> uh, what they say in, in, uh, in 1968, demand the impossible, right? Right. Sure. Okay. I mean, ideally, I think, ideally from, from like the bottom, I would love to see that the minimum wage be raised because these people are doing, you know, essential work and being paid terribly. And, you know, and th th there, a lot of them are the bulk of the clients that I see that have always struggled um, and now are being expected to, you know, come forward with, no masks, you know, things like that, I feel like are, should be recognized. And I think that it's, it's something that from the ground bottom, you know, uh, most of those guys don't have health insurance coverage. So, you know, they're lacking in some of those basic needs, um, but yet then are expected to, you know, face a pandemic and risk their families and risk their own health. I also, you know, I'm recognizing now I have, I've had clients who, you know, have a job and we have sessions and then they get laid off and some of them, you know, they'll get, a, they got the notice that their coverage was going to end in 10 days. I mean, mm. they didn't even give them a month. <laughs> like, and so, you know, their mental health needs are tied to their, their medical insurance. Which is tied to their employment. Which is tied to their employment. Which and is weird. Right. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I've been self-employed for 15 years now. So I've always bought my own health insurance and that's, oh, that, you know, it's, it's terrible. So I've already, I've always known that. Um, one of the reasons why I take insurance, I'm, I, most therapists don't take insurance, but I know, you know, I, I, when I've needed it, it's been there. So I've, I've tried really hard to, you know, be one of those providers, but we all are connected in how we can and what what we what we pay our money to and so you know i i would love to in an ideal world i love to be able to have some sort of funding so we can provide mental health treatment for everybody that's you know equal and across the board but it you know it's so lacking in so many different areas yeah it's going to take a fight for sure huge fight yeah mm. yeah any other um silver linings or or possible positive outcomes of, of this that you're seeing or I think people are being nicer to each other okay you know I, I I've lived I bought this house three years ago and I I live in you know kind of close together homes and you know we're all saying hi to each other more you know even though we're covered in masks but you know and I think there's been a lot of disconnection even in like small neighborhoods that you know you just go on about life. I mean, I, I haven't, I, I can honestly say with, you know, between my work and the kids and all of their schedules, like I've, I've been rarely home. This is the most I've been home since I moved into this house um, because I'm always doing something or out or, you know, my life has been so structured. So some of these people I've never met before, not that, you know, we're having long conversations, but I think we're connecting in that way of mm -hmm. just relying on each other a little bit. You know, I've been shopping for my neighbor next door who's 96 and I think some of those little things that we probably missed or just kind of life went by and we didn't really recognize some of the needs of even just our closest neighbors that I would like to see um, continue. Yeah. Quote unquote normal, that lane that we were in right, has a lot of toxicity to it. It does. Yes. Yes. I, I, my, my life was way overscheduled. 
I mean, I, I, I'm old school and I write everything down in a, in a calendar. <laughs> and so I, I, I look back down to the past, like, you know, months and everything has different colors to it because of, of my, you know, each kid and myself and my clients and everything. And, you know, I, I was in February gearing up for baseball season and soccer season. And I was like, we're never going to be home. So I don't know if that, you know, was this is a message for me to slow down or, you know, that we don't need to be at schedule, but that's my goal personally, that this, that I can make some changes in that. Yeah, that'd be good to see. I think we have a, we have a situation where whether it's productivity in the rat race or whether it's overscheduling, like you're talking about, it's not, it's not healthy, you know? No. And, uh, and maybe, you know, fingers crossed, we come out of this and we don't go back to normal. I hope, I hope. I think, you know, seeing kind of the trickle down effect of some of these, these people out of work and, you know, we're going to see an uptick in, in like food pantry needs. Mm. Um, and I know that around here, you know, my, 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 the church that I belong to is really big on that. Um, we do a lot of, you know, food bank stuff. But I think that needs to be more of a community thing that really is going to need to continue much longer mm. as we go on. Um, yeah, folks are predicting that like even when it's quote unquote safe to quote unquote reopen the country, whatever that means, right? That, you know, we're going to have this lagging uh, economic crisis, you know, because things weren't great before this. And so we're going to have this, you know, massive unemployment and that sort of thing. And we're going to have to we're going to have to reckon with that. Right, right. And the first thing is to be able to feed everybody. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I, it made me terribly sad. And I, you know, I think my school district in this little town that I live in is, is pretty, you know, we're nicely, we're nicely buffered around some more economically disadvantaged areas. But the fact that to think about some of these kids that may not be eating because they're not in school, like, makes mm -hmm. me just incredibly Dad. Yeah, my district, you know, we're, we have about 20% free and reduced lunch. And so one of the things that I asked about was like, well, what are we doing for that? And right. so like, long story short, there, there are provisions in there and the local, the local food ministry out of one of the Episcopal churches is also in on that and people are picking meals up, you know, but that involves just another more extra steps for people to do leaving the house, right. touching things that other people touched our district workers being out and about, right, you know, right, right. like, and, you know, I I'm reminded, this is probably outdated, you know, you're probably gonna laugh at me, but like, I'm reminded of uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. And like, we totally don't serve the, the most basic stuff no, <laughs> in no. our society. You know? I've referenced Maslow's needs a couple of times already in these past few weeks. Oh, okay. Right. Like, because we kind of ignored that a lot of people were in need of those things until this happened. And then there's a somewhat of an equal or footing, right? The fear of like, I'm going to lose my house or I'm going to get evicted. You know, like a lot of those basic needs that other people struggle with on a regular basis, we kind of were privileged to not even think about mm. or like, I need toilet paper, you know? And, and so that like those bottom needs of just basic comforts and basic shelter, you know, I, I have, I had a guy last week that was homeless and he couldn't get in touch with any of the shelters cause they're all closed. So mm. he was walking the streets for two days and you know, it, th those things that like 
are so easily fragile that we don't really we take advantage of or we don't really think about until something like this happens it's amazing yeah and, and like you said a lot of it is is bubbling up to the quote-unquote middle class now too yeah. Oof. i know <laughs> i know one of the things that i've this other thing i've done because when i listen to people and their layers that's how i call it like i in my head like i think about their layers if i think about it too high and too far away then i get all like out of my head so i always like breathe it out because they're these are the things that they that they kind of go into their own tangents about, you know, and I could easily jump into them with it because I, I feel the same thing, you know. Mm. Um, but I, it's 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 been a it's been a really big thing for me to really try to become grounded for them, so I you know, I can keep them grounded and just like taking it one day at a time, one week at a time. Mm. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, and and I hope this is an okay question. Sure. I understand that like everybody is an individual and i understand that you're not actually seeing the four people who are listening to this podcast right but are there any general universal self-care tips for a time like this that you're thinking of that might be helpful for folks yeah yeah get out of the house go for a walk put a mask on I think I think the, the for for our our area or at least you know the East Coast like the fact that it's somewhat warming up has been helpful. We're getting a lot more sun. I mean that, that's important. The vitamin D, just getting in touch with nature. I mean for me, it's that's invaluable. I think also not compounding or not looking into the future, taking one thing at a time, creating a structured day, even if it's you know, and making like you know, like you said earlier, making your Saturday a Saturday, even though it doesn't feel like a Saturday, but you know, doing whatever you would do on a Saturday normally and advocating for yourself when it comes to, you know, certain, you know, your finances and stuff like that. Cause that can just overload you anyway on a good day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I also think, I think we also have to be a lot kinder to ourselves. I think those first few weeks we were trying to all kind of, you know, kind of like you said, like, work is hard work in the same capacity that we were teaching our kids in the same capacity you know <clears throat> and honestly i think we need to kind of like give ourselves a little bit of a break mm. <laughs> you know um and we're doing our best mm. yeah and absolutely really yeah. that's been really beneficial for me you know i think i've always kind of been very professional and like thinking you know presenting myself as a therapist and now that my you know my cat jumps on my lap or you know i'm kind of like my hair looks like this I'm kind of honest about it, you know, like we're all kind of going through that same thing and this is life right now. So it seems like, we, you know, I think I'm, I'm connecting or I think I'm trying to connect even on a little bit more personal level with that. And I think that's helpful for my clients. Mm, right on. Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah. So, um, anything, uh, we're going to play a game actually in a second. I forgot to tell you about that. Okay. Um, but uh, before we do, anything left unsaid that you'd like to talk about? I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the, I think one of the biggest takeaways is that we just have to take care of each other. You know, I think from a, from a personal standpoint, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to take care of each other. You know, it goes a long way. I think, I think depression and anxiety feel very isolating in general, even if you're amongst a crowd of people and this just compounds it. And so checking in with each other, even if you don't want to talk, <laughs> you know, trying to do things that, show just you know concern for your neighbors it, it it seems to be something that we've taken it we've taken for granted 
For sure. Okay, so we're going to play a game. Okay. It's called One Gotta Go. Okay. So, One Gotta Go. Okay. Your bed, your bathroom, your phone, your laptop. Ugh. After this, my laptop's getting, I'm getting rid of it. My bed. Because? Because, well, if I'm honest, and my son in 20 years will be embarrassed I say this, but he, I end up sleeping with him most nights because he's afraid of the dark. Mm. <laughs> right now, my bed's mostly used by my cats and clothes. So <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to give that up. Now that we're in the apocalypse, this is probably a good one. Electricity, running water, grocery stores, and roads. One got to go. Roads. Because, yeah. We'll just find, we'll make paths in the woods. Okay. Everything else is too important, right? Everything else is still important. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. This one is for probably appropriate for uh, what's life going to be like after the crisis is over. Free housing, free transportation, free food, free healthcare. One got to go. One got to (sighs) go. Come on. That's this tough. Free transportation. Mm -hmm. What's the thinking behind that? If we have all those other things that are free, then I would hope that maybe people would pitch in and be able to help each other get transportation needs met in a better mm-hmm. way, you know? That's my only thought. Yeah, that's the one I would go with too. Yeah? Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. Okay, I really appreciate you taking out the time to do this. I hope you uh, stay healthy and safe, and uh, thanks for talking to me. Thank you for having me. Well, that was my conversation with Lauren. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm glad I got her perspective as both uh, a parent and a mental health worker. Go to BrianTalksToHumans.net for more information. Follow at BTTHpod on Instagram and BrianTalksToHumans on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Because all the freaky people make the beauty of the world. All the freaky people make the beauty of the world. Because all the freaky people make the beauty of the world.